Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. Uh, the notes are uploaded on our uh, Bible app as well. So if you have the Bible app, you can go to the menu and uh, search for Roseburg First Christian Church, and you can find the notes there. If you save the notes, you can refer back to them later. And uh, so we're in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, and we're just going to jump right into it. Verse 11 says this, We have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. The writer of Hebrews says, boy, by this time... In your faith and in your journey, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be the ones that have the source of knowledge. You ought to be the ones that are helping others in their elementary truths of the faith. But for some reason or another, you're not there. You ought to be there, but you're not there now. And you're needing milk, not solid food. Verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You imagine going to a restaurant later today, uh, those that are open, you imagine going to a restaurant and the waiter comes up and they say, what would you like? And you say, I just like a glass of milk. That's it. Oh, great, great. And uh, did, you want, did you want a soup or salad to start? Nope, I just want a glass of milk. Okay, no super salad. Watching the budget, I can understand that. What would you like to eat today? No, 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 no. Uh, you can put it in a bowl if you'd like, but I just want a glass of milk. <laughs> I've had it since I was a baby, and it did really well for me then, so I just kept, we're all laughing, right? Because that's unreasonable. What worked and what fed us as babies no longer does so. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He says, boy, I have a lot more to say about this this theme that Jesus is greater and that you shouldn't get up, but it's really hard to get it across to you because you're still drinking milk. You ought to be teachers by this time. You ought to be the type of people that are raising another generation of young believers, of, of people who are following Christ, but you're still ordering milk for lunch. When you should have been on solid food, you are still drinking milk. By way of review, we're in Hebrews chapter 6. We're almost halfway through, and Hebrews is written uh, for persecuted Jewish Christians who were torn between their new faith in Jesus and in their old rituals of the Jewish faith. And the message of Hebrews is this, don't give up because Jesus is greater. He opens in chapter 1 and said he's greater than the angels. Angels used to be uh, uh, the messengers of the Old Testament. In the Jewish culture, they had very high regard, and yet the writer of Hebrews says this, boy, Jesus, he's even greater than the angels. He's greater than our doubts and our unbelief. He's, He's enough. He talks about the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He is greater because he's present 
in our sufferings. And the promise of being able to live and walk and breathe in the awareness and the presence of God is still available for us today. Last week we talked about how Jesus is greater because he's our great high priest. And in these moments, in our brokenness and in our sin, we don't have to fear approaching a father who does not understand what it's like to live in this world and to go through temptations. Rather, we have a great high priest who is tempted in all points like we are but without sin. So we get to run with confidence to the throne of grace. He is greater. And the writer of Hebrews pauses because it's time for him to have a difficult conversation. You ever have that moment when someone comes in and says, hey, can we talk? Yeah, that's what's happening here. Where do we normally do that? If you're at home and and it's a spouse with another spouse, a husband and wife, and they say, hey, can we talk? And they usually go to a, to, a, to a place where they can have this discussion. If the children are unruly and the father says, we need a family meeting, or the mother says, we need to talk, it happens in the dining room or it happens in the family room. And for the church, it happens here. It happens on a Sunday morning, whether you're here in our pews or if you're at home in your pajamas. And we're not judging, by the way. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe your teacher comes in, and it's just you and your teacher, and the teacher says, we need to talk. Things are getting serious, and yet because it's a difficult conversation, the difficult conversations in life have the potential to free us, to lift us from some burdens. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. He says this, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, and be taken forward to where? Maturity. He says it is time for us to move to greater things. Move from the elementary teachings forward into maturity. And then he explains himself. He says, not laying against the foundation of repentance from acts that death and of faith in God, instructions about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He's saying we're not going to forget about these other things that we have held so close in our heart, but it is time to move on. We take those as the foundations of our faith, and it is time for move, to move on. And in verse 3, he says this, and God permitting, we will do so. And this is what I want us to carry with. God permitting, so will we. We will move on to greater things. Look at verse 1 again. He says this, Therefore, let us move. It is time to leave things behind. And the central thought of this very difficult discussion, this difficult conversation is this. It's time to move on. Not so much because you can't handle it, not so much because you won't get your act together, but because your behavior right now is so elementary that it warrants us leveling up, moving on to greater things in our faith. So for you this morning, what do you need to move on from? Where are you stuck? What's the first thing that popped into your mind when you read those words? What do you need to move on from? What has you stuck? It's time to move on. How long will you allow addiction to rule your life? The Savior died for so much 
of a freer life than one of addiction? When will you get the help you need? When will you say to yourselves, my goodness, it is time for me to move on. I'm going to move on past the elementary teachings. I'm going to press forward into maturity. It's time to move on. When will you get the help you need? How long will you be passive in your marriage? And allow the trivial distractions around you prevent you or distract you from loving your spouse. When are you going to grow up? When are you going to be honest and vulnerable and fight for your marriage, not to just survive the next few months, but to thrive? He says, it's time to move on past this elementary stuff. When are you going to move on and press forward into maturity? How long will you allow your home to be a home of chaos and arguments and tension? When are you going to draw the line and say, it's time to move on? How long will you allow your debt and the financial decisions of your life put undue pressures on you and your spouse? But, but, uh, Dave Ramsey says this, it's time to act your wage. Some of you will get that later when you write it down. <laughs> when will you allow the decisions you make with your finances help you live a prosperous, generous life rather than one that's chained to the debt? When will you carve out that space to give back to the place that you worship, to give back to our missionaries, to give back to sowing seeds in the kingdom as God has directed you? This last week, we, uh, our missions team gathered and we began planning for one great day in February and we said, boy, what is it going to look like? What's our plan A and what's our plan B and what's our plan Q and R and S, depending on the situations that come about? But part of it is our desire to make sure that we as a church family and then we as individual families are generous in giving back. How long will you stay where you are because it is time for us to move on? It's time for us to get unstuck. How long will you hold on to a grudge? How long will you have that staring contest with someone in your family or someone at work or someone in your life where you are unwilling to give up the grudge? And hold on to bitterness. The writer of Hebrews is saying this, man, you guys have come so far and all these elementary parts of the teaching are really important for the foundations of your life, but it's time to move on forward into maturity. There are greater things in store. So what has you stuck? What do you need to move on from? Because it is time. And the road to moving on to greater things begins with repentance. Repentance is this word. In the Hebrew, it's teshuva. And in the Greek, it's metanoia. It's this word that simply means a change of mind causing a change of direction. The full definition is on the screen there. It's a change of mind causing changes in your heart and your actions, causing you to move in a different direction than you were going previously. It means you change your mind and it changes your direction. It means that you are going this way and suddenly something happens where because your mind starts to look at something differently and because your mind starts to look something differently, the rest of your body follows and the change of your mind causes a change of direction. The road to moving on to greater things begins with repentance. Rick Warren says it this way, we are as close to God as we choose to be. 
And we cannot move closer to God by accident. It takes a deliberate choice, a choice to repent. Look at verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 6. You with me still? Awesome. Seven of us are here together. Let's do it. Uh, Verse 4, it says this. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and have fallen and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Those are heavy words. The writer of Hebrews says this, those who are enlightened, those who have accepted the gift of salvation, those who have seen the light, once they have gotten the taste of heaven and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they have personally experienced the sheer goodness of God, if they then turn their backs on it, washing their hands of the whole thing, well, it's not like they can start as if nothing happened. That's almost impossible, he says. It's almost like they have re-crucified Christ in that moment. They have rejected him. They have put him on public disgrace that way. He goes on in verse 7, and he, and he, and he finds an diff- uh, interesting way to point out what he's talking about. He says this, Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is f- farmed, receives the blessing of Jesus, the blessing of God. Verse 8, but land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. It's saying that the parched ground, it soaks up the rain and then it produces a crop for its gardener, God. And and God looks on it and he says, well done. But he says the same plot of land, if all they ever produce is thistles and thorns, then that is in danger of being burned. And the primary illustration for the whole book of Hebrews, as we have seen, is the children of Israel. And although there was a generation that didn't enter the promised land, the people still remained the children of God. There is a warning here for us, and the warning is the same warning that the author gave in chapter 2 in verse 1. We must pay careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. We must pay careful attention. To what we have heard or else we will drift away. Because there's a temptation to fall away. There's a temptation to settle for lesser things. And we need to resist this temptation. The author of Hebrews here in chapter 6 is exhorting us that we need to move on to greater things. And by settling for lesser things, we are depriving ourselves from the full life God has in store for us. Bob Goff said it this way. He said this. Fear and insecurity will always try to talk us into settling for lesser things. And we get this idea of repentance misunderstood, and we mistakenly think this is only for sinners, not for me. It's only for people without Christ, it's not for me. And yet I would say this as your pastor, if there is an area of your life where God is not leading, then that is an area of your life in need of repentance. If there's an area of your life where you are stuck and God is not having his way and you don't know what to do and you don't know how long this portion of your life will last and yet God is not leading in that portion, this is an area of your life where you need repentance. The beautiful part of repentance 
is that means you are saying no to the direction that you're going in, but it also means that you're saying yes to God. So again, where are you stuck? What are you holding on to? The author of Hebrews is saying that it's time to move on from the basics because you never stop doing those things, but our life is designed for something more. I don't normally use this many quotes, but I found several that were very helpful for me in studying Hebrews chapter 6. This is one more from Friedrich Nietzsche, the German philosopher. He said this, The essential thing in heaven and earth is there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. A life worth living. And so the writer of Hebrews is asking us, where are you stuck? What do you need to move on from? Where is the area of your life that needs maturity? For all of us, it might be something different. A couple of years ago, uh, Libby's father and I were able to go to uh, the Redwoods in uh, Northern California. I think it was the day, actually, that Libby was um, trying on wedding dresses, and so uh, John and I were not invited. <laughs> Awkward. Um, and so, Lib- so, so John and I spent the day, and we drove down the few hours down to Northern California, he had never seen the redwoods. I had never seen them. And so we went and we, uh, we observed the redwoods. This is one of the pictures I took. And it's, uh, it's just amazing um, that my car fit through that. <laughs> so that looks like a walkway you would walk. That's actually big enough for my car to fit in. You just look at the size of those trees. It's the most amazing, majestic thing. These trees are fire-resistant, they're drought-resistant, they're insect-resistant, I've been told. They grow for decade after decade after decade, some of them for hundreds of years. Here's a picture of John and I. I'm a fairly skinny guy, so it's kind of hard to tell how wide the tree is. Um, it hurts when you laugh like that. I've told you that before. Um, but you look at the tree right behind us, just massive, right? Right? Um, and everywhere you go, there's another tree that's just as massive or just as big. Um, these sequoia, these redwoods, these sequoias, they, they do the basics really, really well. Um, they receive their nutrients and the way they're created, they don't lose the nutrients like other trees. The reeds, uh, the roots I've been told don't even go far that far down like you might imagine relative to their height. What they actually do, instead of going straight down, they go down, but they largely move across. And the roots actually look for other roots. And they entangle themselves with the other roots. There's a beautiful lesson there, isn't there? That their strength is actually because of the other trees that are near them. And so their individual strength of their roots not only helps them, but it helps the ones that are near them. They need one another to thrive. To thrive. But the, the other interesting part is how well they do the basics. Um, most of the water they actually receive is not from rain. Most of the water they receive is actually from the fog.
you and I can grow deeper and stronger, more on the foggy days, than we ever could in the sunshine. If we allow ourselves to use those moments to press on and move into maturity. Day by day, moment by moment, these massive redwoods and sequoias, they grow and they grow and they grow. But you know what John and I realized when we stood there? You can't watch them grow. It's not like you're watching one and at the corner of your eye, a branch comes out and you say, oh, that one's growing right now. It just happens. And time passes and the fog stays and the nutrients are gained from the fog and the roots start going, uh, they, they start moving across and they entangle with the other roots. And before you know it, when you come back and visit, that tree that was just this big is now this big. You can't watch them grow in the moment, but over time they mature. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's time to move on to greater things. Every day these trees are just doing their basics, but they're moving into maturity. It is our diligence to do the basic things, but God has something more in store for us and something so much more beautiful. God wants to do the same majestic, beautiful things in our life, so do not underestimate it. Do not cheapen it. Instead, repent. Let us move on to greater things. At the end of the outline, there's a portion of our Uh, outline that says reflect and respond i want you to look at these questions i want you to answer them in your heart what do you need to move on from where are you stuck if you're like me when you read those two questions there should be some area of your life where you're like yeah i know this is where i need to move on this is where i'm stuck it's my finances it's my relationship it's my uh, it's, my, it's my work, it's my career, it's uh, my trust with my kids, it's I have teenagers now and I've never had teenagers, it's, um, it's, it's the pandemic and my trust and uh, it's my health, it's whatever it is, what do you need to move on from, where are you stuck? Here's another way of asking the same question, what area of your life is God not leading? What's the area of your life God isn't leading? And then thirdly, this morning, knowing that we are as close to God as we choose to be, will you choose to repent? Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9 says this. He knows how difficult this conversation has been, the writer. And so look at what he says. He says this. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Boy, he knows perfectly well all the love you have shown him, he says, by helping Christians at moments that they notice. We know about that. And he says, now I want each of you to extend that same intensity you've had for one another to a full-bodied hope and keep it 
till the finish. Don't drag your feet, but be like those who have stayed the course, who have committed the faith, and get everything promised to them. He ends this chapter this way, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. In fact, let's read these verses together. Uh, If you're at home, I want you to read them out loud. If you're in the building, verse 19 and 20, ready, begin. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Boy, this is our verse, church. We have this hope. It is our anchor. It is firm and secure. It is Jesus, our forerunner. forerunner. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and to never let go. It is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God, where Jesus, who is running ahead of us, has taken up permanent post as high priest for us. Church, Jesus is greater He's greater than the angels because Jesus is God. He's greater than your sufferings because he is present with you in every moment. He's greater than your doubts and belief because he is assured and he is our hope and he is our anchor. He's greater because he's enough. We don't need anything in life besides him. And the promise of being able to live and walk with God, to have a daily confidence dwelling in the presence of God is available for us today. He's greater because he's our great high priest. So because Jesus is greater, church, let's move on to greater things. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Boy, if you are listening to the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or whether you're online, whether you're listening to this podcast later this week, boy, if you have never placed your trust in God and started a personal relationship with God, I think by the virtue of the fact that you're listening to the sound of my voice, I think it tells me you're not too far gone. There's hope. Just like the father in the story of the prodigal son, he is waiting and standing and looking and expecting and waiting for you to come home. Boy, in this moment, I would encourage you to pray and place your trust in Christ. In a few moments when we take communion, Pastor Darren's going to lead us in that time. And during that time, perhaps this is the moment where you identify with Christ for the very first time. Perhaps this is the first time you receive communion as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you are a follower of Christ, you've made that commitment. You have committed your life towards Christ boy, let me encourage you with the words of the writer of Hebrew. It is time for us to move on to greater things. It's time for us to move past the elementary parts of our faith and to press forward into maturity. So church, where do you need to move on from? What has you stuck? I would urge you today, church, let today be repentance day. This is not a day of condemnation, but a day of rejoicing. Let today be the day you experience the joy, the love, the mercy, the restoration, the forgiveness, the peace, the grace that is waiting for you. Heavenly Father, in the room this size and with those that are watching online, I don't know where everyone's stuck.
But Father, I pray in this moment you would reveal that to us and give us the courage to face it head on with your grace. You have so much more in store for us. There are so much more life-giving relationships you have in store for us as soon as we move past grudges and bitterness. There's so much more fullness in this life when we move past and get unstuck from the addiction, the pornography, the alcohol, the substance abuse, the lust, whatever that addiction is. There's so much more out there, so much more in the generous life that you would want us to live when we move past and get unstuck from a life of debt. So Father, in this moment, I pray that your church would stand up and be courageous to say, I am going to move past this. I'm going to get unstuck. I'm not going to drink milk for the rest of my life. I'm going to move on and press towards maturity. For the sake of my spouse, for the sake of my family, for the sake of my community, I'm going to move on to greater things. Father, the areas of our life that you're not leading, I pray that you would reveal it to us. And today, let today be Repentance Day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.